This is the DMB Report podcast for February 2016, where you are covered and smothered in everything college football. Welcome to the DMB Report podcast number one. I'm Dan Bennett, joined by DMB senior writer David Dorsey, DMB Report senior writer, excuse me, Dave. Welcome, and this is definitely exciting for us in our first podcast. No doubt, Dan. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we've, we've been talking college football a lot of years, known each other a long time, and just to have the opportunity to, to share our ideas, however flawed or biased they may be with the public, I'm certainly looking forward to it. So uh, excited about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the topics we're going to talk about, uh, we appreciate everyone joining us, is Looking at recruiting rewind, specifically in the SEC, now that we're a little over a week into this, kind of dissecting and kind of going through what happened. Um, and one of the things that we could see is how teams did by state. And it was just real interesting as we started diving into some of the numbers and some of the things we started to see. So, yeah, Dave, I thought it was real interesting that the, you know, the SEC signed 303 players. You just don't realize you know, how many players these guys get and these schools get and, and the brand and how, how good it is. And what was your take on that and how these teams did from what states? Well, you know, the, the SEC bias is pretty clear all across the country. I mean, if you go outside and you both, both you and I travel quite a bit for work and we get outside the southeast, you know, there's a, there's a true – you know, hatred or kind of a sour admiration for the SEC. Well, why have they been so successful? Well, it's recruiting. And when you look at the ability to pull 303 players, and I, I heard a, a stat the other day about the SEC alone had about 34% of the ESPN top 300 just in that conference. So when you look at, at the domination of the SEC over the last 10, 12 years, you don't have to look any further than recruiting. These schools, these coaches get it. They're going after the best players, and they truly understand that, that hey, coaches are great, and coaching schemes are great, but players win ball games. So, uh, you know, last Wednesday proved it out yet once again for the SEC. Well, I couldn't agree more. It's, um, you know, sometimes the rich get richer, but these are where the players are, and it's no, it's not a mistake why coaches come to coach here. And what I mean is, you know, in the SEC, um, it, it's just it's amazing thing. You look at what these schools do and how these schools. Uh, finish in the top of the rankings um it's just it's not going anywhere like i said you love them or you hate them the sec brand is there and strong and alive and it does show in the recruiting you know one thing i found interesting dave is, is we we're going through and taking a look at where each of these players came from um you know georgia had the most 47 players out of the 303 were from the state of georgia so, you know, definitely something that jumped off the page. What did you think when you saw something like that, how, how Georgia's done? It's always been hot. Georgia's definitely been always been one of the top states to have the recruits. But uh, it kind of surprised me that they were first. Well, I, me as well. I mean, you know, we, we live in Georgia. We've lived in Georgia all our life. We've uh, been a part of high school football here. We've watched it. We've played it. We've, uh, you know, admired it. Uh, I've coached it. it it's it's easy to see how great the talent is in the state of Georgia. However, it's always been maybe a step behind Florida, Texas, California, and Ohio uh, for most people in the country, at least over the last 20, 30 years. And to see that out of all the players the SEC signed, that the state of Georgia produced 47, second was Florida at 41. And again, you know, Texas uh, was third at 36, and, and granted, most SEC schools 
uh, you know, we're in the South. They're right near, they're in Georgia, they're near Georgia. But for the first time to see Georgia lead these rankings and, and it not be close, I mean, six players over the state of Florida, that's significant. And, and the second thing I realized, and we'll talk about Alabama here in a second, but when you look at the top 10 in the rivals rankings, uh, you see one, uh, two, three, four, five SEC schools in the top 10, so 50% of the top 10 in the SEC. But you also see Florida State, a southern school. You see Clemson, a southern school. Uh, you know, So there's two more there that are right here embedded in the hotbed of football, and the only ones outside the south are Ohio State at three, Michigan at four, and USC out in Southern California at eight. Well, if we went and looked at where those schools were recruiting from, I think you would see some of the same results. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, California, Texas. So the schools in the SEC, the best thing for them, they don't have to go far to grab these players. Um, and, and the final note I looked at that, when I see schools like Auburn and Ole Miss, they are coming into the state of Georgia and they are signing a lot of players. Auburn signed six players from the state of Georgia. Ole Miss signed four from the state of Georgia. Georgia themselves, the Bulldogs, signed 14. Now, you would expect that with them being an in-state school. But conversely, Alabama only signed one. Well, when you're Alabama and you can recruit from 12 different states all across the country, you don't have to go next door maybe as much as somebody like Auburn or, or Florida or Ole Miss might have to. Alabama can go get whoever they want. They obviously proved it again with yet another first-place finish. So my take on that is, you know, Georgia is finally getting the recognition in high school recruiting uh, for the talent they have, and now schools like Ohio State, Michigan are realizing it, and they're coming down here, and they're trying to take those players as well. Well, definitely. And so let's give the top five of where the most, uh, you know, the most number of players came from each state. We had Georgia at number one at 47. We mentioned that. State of Florida being 41. Texas is third at 36. Louisiana, number four at 31. And then Mississippi, uh, at number five with 29. Uh, State of Mississippi has done well. It's definitely translated to some of the recent success of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. The interesting thing about when you mentioned Ohio State, Michigan, and USC is, you know, not being from the South. But one thing they do have is they do have a national brand, and that definitely helps into play where they can kind of come in and pluck different players. And so it's not shocking whatsoever. But the rest of the schools being from the South or from the Southeast, it's, um, you know, like I said, the players, good players correlating to good teams, and good coaches want to coach, you know, good players. So that's why you see that concentration here. So I think well, that's I- I think you bring up a great point, an interesting point about Mississippi. I mean, if, if you asked, you know, 10 people that were college football fans, how many of them would say that Mississippi was the state that produced the fifth most players on SEC rosters on this signing day? That would surprise a lot of people. But your, your point about that, you know, correlating with the rise of Ole Miss and Mississippi State, that's a great point. Uh, most people think, well, you got two good coaches came in. Well, I think it also correlates with the rise of the talent in the state of Mississippi. Another thing of note is the number seven state was Ohio with 13. So we, we documented how Ohio State and Michigan are coming south. Well, clearly there's plenty of SEC schools that are going north. Heck, if I'm a coach, I'm pitching one thing and one thing only to those schools. Do you like playing where it's 20 degrees and it snows? Or do you want to come down here where it's warm about 10 months out of the year? To me, that's an easy sell. 
Well, I'm getting old. I'd rather be warm. Uh, I'm sure the players would be too. I'd rather be absolutely warm weather. Well, definitely good points there. And this, you know, the data definitely shows, and the numbers show when, in correlation to how well these teams do. And like I said, we don't see a drop off coming uh, for the SEC schools anytime soon. Okay. You know, with that, Dave, one thing that was interesting as we are seeing now is actually recruiting the recruit announcements. You know what these kids do now. Uh, how elaborate it's gotten, you know, has it gotten out of control? Has it gotten a little crazy? I mean, they these players now, from whatever age, they find out that they're good until they get into college and even through college in some respects. Um, you know, the, you definitely see some entitlement there, uh, right or wrong. Uh, but with the recruiting announcements and, and that re- national signing day and some of the things there, it's just way different than it even was maybe five, six years ago. You know. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at things like Twitter and you, uh, you know, you look at one of these top five star athletes and how many Twitter followers they have. And if you were to waste your time and look and see who the people were that follow them, it's a bunch of college football fans from schools all across the country. And you look at their timeline and people are going, hey, please come to our school. I mean, you remember when we were in high school at 17 years old, if I got people I don't even know from all across the country telling me how great I am and how much they need me, it's a little difficult to not let that go to your head. And uh, so, yeah, you see these crazy stories where there's, you know, I want to hold everybody's attention to the last minute. I want uh, to let everybody think I'm going somewhere else, and then I'm going to, you know, shift gears at the last minute and sign with this school. You know, anything to draw more attention. And I think that's the troubling part. And it's not just old fashioned people like you and me. It's, it's some of these coaches. And granted, you know, they're partially responsible. The fans are responsible. We're responsible. Um, but I think you're starting to see with some comments from, from a couple of different coaches that I, that I heard over the last week, uh, where some things are just starting to maybe get to the point where people are ready to reel it in. And of course, you know, as soon as we say that, then you got, you know, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan throwing this party with Ric Flair and Tom Brady and Lou Holtz and all these famous celebrities there. I mean, how can you blame some of these kids for kind of getting over the top here? Uh, you got a kid out of, out of uh, Georgia, a five-star athlete who still has yet to sign. Um, and people thought at first he's still milking that a little bit. It turns out it comes out he's trying to take the SAT one more time because he wants to get into Stanford. All right, well, you know, that's a good story. I like to hear those kind of stories. I don't like to hear the story of uh, another guy out of Georgia who apparently called three schools Tuesday night before recruiting and told them all he was coming. And then and and kind of helped kept them from having a plan B because if he had told them they weren't coming, they may have offered a scholarship to maybe a three star, not you know waiting on this guy who's a five star. And then on signing day, he picks the one school and the other two are standing there going, "Okay, you flat out lied to my face." Uh, those are the stories that I think we're going to hear more and more of. And I wonder just how far coaches are going to let it go before they say, "You know what? Enough's enough." And uh, one of the one ideas that has come up is a, a fall signing period, you know, something maybe at the very beginning of the school year before the season starts. Let those players that want to get it out of the way, get it out of the way. I thought Coach Smart at Georgia, I'll give this one quick uh, story, had an interesting comment when he said he felt like, quote, the guys that sign or, or commit early in a true commitment um, early to where they're not taking visits and they're decided on where they're going, he feels like they're better prepared when they finally arrive on campus because they're not worried about what kind of show they're going to put on. They're not going to. They're not worried about how they're going to fool everybody and get more Twitter followers. They've made their decision and they focus on getting ready to come in and play football at a high level. And I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. Well, I I think he's dead on with that because 
you can recruit these guys and these these top athletes and this doesn't necessarily translate into you know it, the key is to the success later on and what i mean by that is with the when they're focused and ready you see those the student athletes generally have a better you know a better production uh but you look at it something like so you look at let's take a nick saban who takes these five-star guys and some wait their turn some don't you know there's there's no doubt that people leave but you know it's one of those things the best players play and he's done one of the best jobs of taking these these uh you know these, these star athletes with a lot of them feel like i t- said entitlement and kind of breaking them down and rebuilding them whether they they love it or not derrick henry is a perfect example when he first showed up he wasn't getting it wanted to leave you know, basically parents told him, you know, you need to stay, tough it out. And then he got on board and look what happened to him. And to go the opposite side of that, let's look at Kevin Sumlin in Texas A&M. They get these yeah. five-star guys and then there's a culture issue. We've got stuff coming out. There's an article by Dennis Dodd with, um, talking about Kyle Allen this week and he, you know, interviewing him, talking about the culture there. And sometimes you just can't handle it. So I agree with Smart that, you know, these guys, I'm not saying they can't have their day in the sun, not that they didn't deserve it, but I agree with them where, you know, are you serious enough to take it to the next level? And I think those guys might be. So, well, That's an excellent point about the difference in the culture at A&M and a school like Alabama. I mean, obviously Alabama's on top right now, but it's, it's a no-nonsense type of approach, and I think Saban obviously is smart enough to realize that, hey, you know, these guys are used to being the best at everything and they've never failed. And so what's going to happen when they fail? And he clearly has done a great job recruiting, but he's also, as you mentioned, done a tremendous job of player development. And I do think part of that is dishing out some humble pie when it needs to be dished out. It's dishing out, hey, you're going to wait your turn. All right, we're going to have competition. You're not guaranteed anything. And the stories I hear coming out of A&M, you know, with, hey, I'll promise you this, I'll promise you that, and then when it doesn't happen – you got five-star quarterback after five-star quarterback hitting the road. That doesn't happen very often at a school like Alabama. I will be very interested to see, and, and we'll talk about this in just a second, some of these new coaches and what kind of culture they bring to their new school, having coached smart at Alabama under Saban uh, you know, for several years. What is the culture like at Georgia once he really gets in there and develops his way of thinking? Well, let's move into that. I think that's a good you know, segue into that and how these new coaches did uh, in recruiting where they ended up kind of ranked. And we're looking at Rivals.com uh, for the rankings. What was your impression on some of the guys there, some of the new uh, you know, new coaches and how they did in their first year of recruiting? Yeah, well, obviously the, the ones that maybe we'll focus on from this area of the country, and, and just because of the nature of where of their brand in college football, we'll talk about a few outside the South. But, uh, you know, the, the big hires, as you and I wrote about many times on dmbreport.com, uh, where, you know, Kirby Smart at Georgia, Justin Fuente at, at Virginia Tech, Muschamp at South Carolina, Rick going to Miami, Clay Helton getting the job at, at uh, Southern California. Those are, are the real big marquee hires. And I'll even tag one on that uh, in a different manner with Charlie Strong at Texas and what he was able to do on, on signing day. So as you look at those guys, a couple things stand out, and then I want to talk about Auburn as well because they impressed me in a certain way. But for USC, Southern California, that is, to finish at eight with uh, the turmoil they've had over the last couple of years with, 
you know, Steve Sarkeesian and all his issues, and then he leaves in the middle of the year. Just remember, a couple of years before that, you got Lane Kiffin getting shown the door in the middle of the year. So right. USC has been a train wreck the last three years. Their AD is coming down on the field yelling and screaming. I mean, they're, they're a mess. But that goes to the brand of USC, how awesome it is to play in Southern California and play for that tradition. Uh, Clay Helton, you know, he gets a tip of the cap to finish that squad uh, that recruiting day class at eight in the country. I was impressed with that. Um, I'm not surprised by what Harbaugh is doing at Michigan. Uh, you know, his intensity and his way of thinking and perfection, that does not surprise me at all. Uh, Georgia and Kirby Smart to finish at number 10. Um, yes, Mark Rick did set the table pretty well for Kirby Smart. He had a couple of five stars well on the hook, ready to come in early. Uh, and he, he didn't screw it up. In other words, he got here as quick as he could. He got on the horn with those those really really top guys right away. Secured them. They had six early enrollees uh, for his class, and he is still in the running. Georgia's still in the running for that one kid out of uh, Savannah, uh, who's still yet to sign. Kind of decide between Georgia, Bama, Stanford, and Notre Dame. If they were to sign him, uh, what I'm hearing is Georgia would move from the number ten class to the number five or number six class. So if that happens, now you're looking at Kirby Smart in year one having a top five class. That's never happened in a coach's first year. Uh, that's that's really impressive when you look at the, the little amount of time Kirby Smart and his crew had to recruit. So very impressed by that class. As we go down, um, Texas and Charlie Strong, again, I know he's not a new coach, but with all the, the questioning and the turmoil, is he going to be around? Uh, they were like ranked 40th or 43rd in the recruiting rankings on when signing day began and for them to finish 13th in the top 15 with 10 four stars and a five star uh, i don't know what charlie uh, strong was telling these guys but he was telling them the right things to get them to sign uh, because he had a great last day a little bit disappointed with uh how mark rick finished uh with miami i think they thought that they were had a chance to have a top 15 class uh, they signed seven four stars and ten three stars, but they had a couple of people flip to other schools on signing day that I don't know that they were expecting. And uh, granted, coming from Al Golden, Mark Rick's got a lot of work to do, so I don't think it'll be a problem going forward. Mark Rick will recruit like he always has. It's not hard to recruit to Southern uh, Southern Florida, that's for sure. Uh, but a little bit, you know, surprised by them finishing outside the top twenty. Will Muschamp in South Carolina finishing at twenty six. Um, that's a pretty good job considering that Steve Spurrier left in the middle of the year and they didn't have a coach until just about the time that, that Georgia got theirs with Kirby Smart. So nobody really was recruiting from a head coach standpoint for about two months. And for Muschamp to come in and, and preserve, you know, basically a top 25 class there, that, that was pretty impressive. And then to finish out with, with Fuente at Virginia Tech, you know, they're finishing down just inside the top 50 at 49. I don't think that's reason to panic um obviously uh he's a fantastic coach but the question will be is can he get people to come to that university um with you know the tradition that that beamer built you know Fuente's not beamer how is he going to be able to recruit i don't think this first year is a signal of that but it will be interesting to watch that so uh new coaches for me the the number one winners i would say would be kirby smart and Clay Helton, those two obviously had the greatest success. You could also say maybe they had the easiest job, but it's also pretty easy to have people come in and steal your recruits whenever there's a coaching change. And those guys did a good job of preserving that. Well, I think that's uh, that's. I think you're definitely going to see the success there from both those guys. 
And uh, it doesn't shock me at all. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how things progress. And once they get a full year under their belt, where they sit next year, I expect them to both move up. So great take on those. So why don't you mention Auburn real quick before we wrap up? I know you're some, some surprised with how they ended up finishing at number nine. Yep. Uh, I know you have an interesting take on that. Uh, you know, when you look at a, a staff, and if you were going to use the one word to describe Auburn football um, toward the end of the year and then during the, the recruiting time, I mean, it would be turmoil. I mean, you've got Will Muschamp. I mean, I told you I, I was down in Tampa, Florida, and I see him walking in on a Tuesday to IMG wearing his Auburn shirt. The very next morning, he's interviewing at South Carolina. I mean, he was recruiting for Auburn that day. Uh, I don't know if he told that kid, hey, by the way, I'm going to be at South Carolina in about four days. But, uh, you know, he's gone. Uh, some of the staff leave and go with him. You've got all the questions about Gus Malzahn and, and uh, is he going to be around after another year? They don't even have a defensive back coach on signing day. Uh, for them to finish the way they did with 21 total signees, two five-star, 11 four-stars, including a couple of big signees out of the state of Georgia, as we mentioned, they signed six overall. You know, Gus Malzahn might get the biggest pat on the back for the work he did uh, in these last two or three year, uh, two or three weeks. And I'll go even a step further and mention defensive line coach Rodney Garner, uh, formerly of University of Georgia. Uh, you know, he came home to his alma mater to Auburn about five, six, maybe seven years ago, and he has paid huge dividends for the Auburn Tigers on the recruiting trail. And apparently, um, by all assessments, he was largely get should get the credit for the way they finished. But for them to finish at number nine with all the turmoil, signing some of those big names, you know, Auburn, say what you will, but man, they know how to recruit. That's for sure. Well, and it's not the first time Malzahn and Auburn themselves have had high recruiting classes, but I have a feeling he's going to need to move the needle a little bit this year. He's had 11 losses in the last two years, and even for the Auburn Tiger and Auburn University fans and alumni, that's not going to cut it, no matter what kind of offense he runs and no matter if he did get to the championship game a few years ago. I know maybe not quite on the hot seat, but if he starts out and ends up at a 500 record, it's not going to go well for him, so he needs these guys to produce really quick. Well, you're right about that, especially when your uh, sister school just up the road just continues to hoist trophy after trophy. Uh, you know, there, there's no room for error. And yes, you're right; they have a championship from 2010. They have an appearance a couple of years after that. But it, in the SEC and in college football, it is a "What have you done for me lately?" And uh, I agree if you with the if the results are not there next year, uh, I, I'd say he's definitely on the hot seat. Yep, absolutely. Well, Dave, I've enjoyed it. Our first podcast, many conversations, not our first, but uh, we're glad to to share it with our listeners and hope you guys enjoyed it as well. You know, please check us out at dmbreport.com. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're on all the, the major podcast listings. But again, you can find everything that we do at dmbreport.com. For David Dorsey, I'm Dan Bennett. Until next time, let every day be your national championship day.